We've been at this for, I believe, nine or ten weeks of uh, this odd uh, situation that we're in, but the longer that we spend in it, I guess the, the more I see God moving. And, and I think and I hope, my prayer would be at least, that this opens people's eyes and that we don't, we don't forget how fragile of a thing it is to, to be able to come to church and to live in a free society and things like that because there's a lot of people in the world that don't have this. There's a lot of people that would, that would trade, trade about anything to be sitting in your seat this morning. People that would love it. And so this morning, I want to preach about how much God has blessed us, and, and we're all well aware of that. Even though we're in a strange situation, even though things are happening that we've never seen before, we're still blessed. Are you blessed this morning? Turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter number 24. Joshua chapter 24. And this is a very familiar scripture. In fact, uh, every time I go to my dad's house, I see this scripture. It's on his front door. Joshua chapter 24, verse number 14. We'll read two verses and then we'll probably preach the entire chapter. So if you'll stand honor the reading of God's word, Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15 will be our text this morning. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says this, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the God which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell... Then Joshua makes a great declaration here. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We thank you for all that you do. God, we thank you for the honor and the privilege that it is to be in your house this morning. Lord, I thank you for the ability to even roll over, get out of bed, and put my feet on the floor this morning, God, because without you, that would have been an impossible task. And God, I thank you for uh, being able to be here this morning in this house. And God, I just thank you for everyone that's here. And God, I just pray that you would help them and God bless them. Lord, the folks that are listening by way of internet, God, I pray that you would bless them. God, help them speak through your word this morning. God, use me as your vessel because God, I can't stand here without you this morning. Lord, just clarify my mind. God, give me clarity of speech. Lord, to only preach your word and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you read the Old Testament a lot, I, I like to read the New Testament, but, but every once in a while I'll, I'll get into the Old Testament for a while. And basically the, the main subject of the Old Testament in, in through the entire thing is the children of Israel, God's people, God's chosen people. And we find here that Joshua has called the children of Israel, he's, he's called a meeting. And last week we preached 
about Jesus and the last statements that he made on the cross and how that, that he looked at John and said, Behold uh, thy mother, and, and he was taking care of her. And, and that was one of the last statements that Jesus made. And I found this out that, that a lot of times when somebody knows that death is imminent, that they're, gonna, they're not going to mince words, they're not going to say things that, that don't amount to anything, that they're going to get everybody's attention if they can, and they're going to say something that is worth saying. Wouldn't you agree with that? That if you find somebody laying on their deathbed, whoever it may be, that, that their last few words, that they, if they're in their right mind and they can get them out, they might try to give them some good advice, or they might try to, to say things that will help people and to encourage people. And so Joshua is doing that. Joshua knows that his death is imminent. I don't know, Joshua is, is an old man and he's standing there and he says, he says, call all the children of Israel together. And so in verse number one, and we're just going to go through the chapter and preach it in an expository fashion. Verse one says, and Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and they presented themselves before God. Now, you must see that it's important that most of the time when I read this chapter, and I've read it quite a few times, you see that it says that he gathered the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Now, it's, it's not just happenstance that Joshua did that. It wasn't that Joshua said, hey, where are we going to gather? Hey, let's go here. I want you to understand that Joshua did this on purpose because this place that Joshua called him to is where God met Abraham and God presented himself to Abraham and told Abraham, I am going to multiply your seed. He said that I'm going to make a great nation out of you and your, your children are going to be multiplied. And so God made that promise to Abraham. Did, did Abraham see that come true? No, he didn't. Abraham died before that, didn't he? He had a son and, and then Abraham died of old age. But still he's the father of the Jewish people. And so several thousand years later, you still have evidence of these people. They're, they're everywhere. They're in our country. These people that follow this man, his name is Abraham. And these people greatly revered him. And they knew that Shechem was the place that God had made the promise. And so Joshua calls the people to this place for this reason. Because the promise was made there. Joshua wanted the people of Israel to see that God had kept his promise. Do you believe that God keeps his promises? I do. I believe that God is faithful. I believe that when God says something, that he means it. And that if he says he's going to do something for you, or through you, or by you, or do something with you, or do something as the word of God says, that he's made promises to us, that God will fulfill those promises. God doesn't drop the ball as we often do. I've made promises to people. I've said, hey, I'll do this for you or I'll be here or whatever, but, but oftentimes I'm just providentially hindered and I can't do it. But nothing ever gets in God's way. Nothing ever slows down the plan of God. And so he gathers all the people and he brings them in and he brings their, their judges and he brings their elders and all the people and he says, hey, we're going to meet together. But at the end of the verse, it's very important to see this. It doesn't say that they presented themselves to Joshua. 
Now this wasn't Joshua bringing these people together. It says in, in the last of verse number one, it says, and they presented themselves before who? Before God. And then picking up in verse number two, Joshua starts talking to the people. And I believe that Joshua is prophesying here. Joshua has taken up the office of Moses and he is God's man. He is God's prophet. Now there's about to be a great change in the nation of Israel at this time. Up until this point when since they left Egypt, they've had one man leader and Joshua knows that that time is coming to an end. And so Joshua starts in verse 2 and I'm going to read just a few verses so bear with me. And it says, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. This is what God says. And now we go from Joshua speaking to God's words. And this is God. He says, Your father dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. Even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. See, God called Abraham out of idolatry. You have to understand that. And he says, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. Do you see those words? That's important. God said, I brought you out. He says, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came into the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them before you. He says, then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, you can find this in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, arose and warred against Israel and sinned and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. Do you see a theme here? Are you starting to see a trend in what Joshua is saying or in what God is saying through Joshua here? Do you see that, that every time that the children of Israel turn around, that God has delivered them from something? That even though danger may come their way, that even though somebody is constantly fighting against them, I mean, you turn on the news today and, and it, it seems like there's always conflict in the Middle East. Wouldn't you agree with that? And, and some of you that are a lot older than me have seen it for years and years and years. You read the newspaper and there's always conflict. It's just a hotbed of conflict over there. And it's always been like that. I mean, from the beginning of time. And there's this conflict and people are always trying to destroy God's people. But God keeps telling them, he said, and I delivered you. And I brought you out. And God continues, this is God speaking still. 
And it says, and you went over, this is verse 11, and it says, and you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. You know what happened at Jericho, right? And Amorites and the Perizzites and Canaanites and Hivites and Gergesites and Hivites and Jebusites. And again, what does it say? And I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, or drove them out, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with, with thy bow. Nothing you did. He says, And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do you eat? Now in the next verse, the verses I read, and I'll get to those in a minute, Joshua's going to pick up speaking again. But I find it interesting if you go through these verses starting in verse number 2, that most of the verses, there's, there's two key words in those verses if you look down, and, and, and please, you can do it later when you get home. But God says, and I, and I. If you look, almost every verse in, in verses 2 through 14, I think it's like 11 or 12 of them that start with and. You know why? God's continuing to tell these people and remind them what he's done for them. God goes through the list and he says, Hey, ever since Abraham and, and ever, since I, ever since I called him at Shechem to start this great nation and told him that I was going to bless him, God said, My hand has been upon you. And God blessed his people. God blessed his children. There's never been another nation like the children of Israel. And God's hand has always been upon them. Even into this day, even though they rejected Christ, God is still blessing those folks. And he's going to deal with them later. But let me tell you, God is on their side. And it, it always has puzzled me. And, and the, since I read the Old Testament, and maybe I read it quickly because this took place over hundreds of years, how that it seems like that every time that God would bless these people, they would turn their back on him. You ever notice that? It seems like if you, I'll take you back to the Red Sea. You go back to, to the book of, of, of Exodus, chapter number 14, and you find the children of Israel at the Red Sea. And you notice how that God delivered them, how that God parted the Red Sea and the Egyptians drove into it and, and God destroyed them. And this happened right in front of their eyes. It wasn't that God had to tell these people, hey, this is, this is what I've done. I mean, they witnessed it. And their parents saw it. And yet just a few days later, they go out into the wilderness and they're low on water. And what do they start doing? They start questioning God. And it seems like that every time that God touches them and God blesses them and God does something for them, that they decide to just, just go somewhere else. I mean, Moses, he goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and he comes back down and what are the children of Israel doing? They're worshiping a golden calf, for goodness sake. And I thought, my goodness, what, what's going on here? And so God addresses that in this. He starts talking about all that he does and talking about how he blessed them and how he keeps bringing them through. And so I thought, well, how does this apply to me? Because every time you read the Bible, you have to be able to apply it to your life, the life of a Christian. 
And I think about how that, that God promised that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5, that he would never leave me nor forsake me. He said that, right? That he would go with me. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he said he would go all the way. He would go all the way even into the end of the earth with me. And these are the promises that I have from God. And I've noticed so many times in my life, I've never been faced with, a, with an Egyptian army behind me. I've never been faced with some of the persecution that these people came up against. I mean, there was armies, and it talks, he lists all the armies, and God goes through all the people that have fought against them. And God says, here was this enemy. Check them off. They're gone. Here's another enemy. Mark them off the list. I took care of them for you. And it wasn't by your sword. It wasn't by your bow. God said, I did it for you. And I just stand and I say amen to the fact that God has taken good care of me. I mean, I'm a young guy, fairly young guy. And, and just in my short little life, I thought, man, God has, has taken such good care of me. And he's blessed me and he's, he's taken me through things. And he's been far better to me than I deserve. Amen. Has God been good to you? I mean, God's been good to me. I look around, and, and it's not just material blessings. I mean, spiritually, God's been good to me. God's given me a good family. I'm blessed to live in the United States. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world. I know we've got our faults and our shortcomings, but I like living here, don't you? I like living in Tennessee. My goodness, there's, there's not a better place on earth to be. God has blessed us so much. But then Joshua says this. God addresses the blessings and then Joshua addresses the problems that the folks have. Joshua says in verse 14, he picks it back up. He, God kind of hands it back over to Joshua. And Joshua says this, he says, now therefore. The great Adrian, Adrian Rogers used to have a saying. He said, if you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to see what it's there for. And so we look back and we see the context and how that God has, has told the people what all he's done for them. He says, now therefore, Joshua says, now that, you've, now that you've heard all the facts, now that God's laid it all on the table for you, he says, this is what you ought to do. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord. And, and as I, I looked at that, I thought, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that, that because God's taken care of us, we should be scared of him? Well, no, that's not exactly what that means. That word fear the Lord means to reverence the Lord, to respect the Lord, to put the Lord where he goes in your life, and that is at the forefront of everything. Joshua says, now for, therefore fear the Lord, to reverence him, to honor him, but then he takes it a step further. He says, and. He said, there's two things you need to do here. It says you need to honor the Lord and you need to reverence him, but it also says you need to serve him. You need to serve him. And, and he says you need to serve him in two ways. First, he says, in sincerity. That word right there, now I'm going to define a few words for you. It means to serve God with your whole self. With all that you have, you serve God. I'm going to stop for a minute, and I'm going to tell you this little, this little fact, and this, this will go a long way if you'll pay attention to it. You're going to serve something or somebody in your life. You are. You think, well, I'm nobody's servant, or I don't serve anything. Yes, you do. 
We're made to serve. Did you know that? We're, we're created to serve. But God doesn't force himself upon us. God doesn't work that way. God is not going to force you to serve him. See, we, we live in, in free will, not just because we're free will Baptists, but, but God gives us a free will, and he gives us a choice on whether or not we will serve him. But we're going to serve something. Now, it's strange to me that the children of Israel, what they decided to serve was little idols. And these little idols, they would have to, when they would go somewhere, they would have to pack them in their bag and they would have to carry them over to the next place and, and they would get these idols out and they'd shine them up and they'd set them, on a, set them on a shelf and they'd serve them. And they would bring stuff to them and they would bring food to them and water to them and, and offerings to them and they'd just set them there. And you know what these things that they would serve them with, you know what would happen to them? They would rot, right? I mean, if you set something in front of a little idol and just leave it there, nothing's going to happen to it. But they would serve these things. And you know what these idols had done for these people? Not a thing. Well, they, hadn't, they hadn't so much as, as lifted a finger to be able to help the children of Israel. These, these idols, I mean, they're, they're so weak, they can't even carry themselves from place to place. They have to be picked up and carried. And Joshua sees the foolishness in this. Joshua sees how, how ludicrous it is that the children of Israel would worship something else besides God. You're going to serve something. And so I ask you, what are you serving today? Are you serving God with all of your heart? Are you consumed by the things of God? Or do you serve other things? I think that, that this time that we're in right now has, has been good. It's, it's, it has been eye-opening for me to, to see just how easily the rug can get pulled out and how that we don't get to go to church and haven't been able to go to church like normal and, and those five or six or seven weeks or whatever it was that we were having to meet in the parking lot and, and do, do video and all that, it, it's just not the same. It, it, it doesn't feel completely right to me. And I see those things, and it's easy when you're not attending the house of God and when you're not reading your Bible and when you're not praying like you're sh you should and all these things that you'll start straying away from God and you'll start serving other things. Has that ever happened in your life? You don't, you don't have to jump up and say amen, but you can agree with me. It's okay. It's happened in all of our lives. How that we get distracted by the things of the world and we start serving those other things, whether it be our job or our hobbies or whether we start serving. We can even serve our spouses to the point that they overtake the place of God in our life or our children or all these other things. And I know that we're supposed to take care of our families. I'm not saying we're not, but I'm saying that, that God has done all these things for you, not anything else. It wasn't that your boss that, that was able to, to pay you and give you money so you could buy that house. It was God that gave you the strength to be able to go to work that day. God has done so much for us, and, but it seems like so many times God is just an afterthought in our life. Y'all are quiet on me this morning. Or am, I, am I preaching the Bible or am I standing up here lying to you? I'm telling the truth this morning. And it's time that, that we, we clear our minds of, of the distractions. I mean, there's so many things that are vying for your attention and vying for your time and most of all vying for your servitude. Things are saying, hey, why don't you serve me? 
and we put things in front of God. He says to serve God wholeheartedly and sincerity with everything that you have. And then he says this, he goes a step further, and he says not only serve him in sincerity, but he says and in truth. Be faithful to God. He's saying serve him with faithfulness here. We have people that... that are like bottle rockets sometimes in church. You ever seen a bottle rocket Christian? You know what that is? A bottle rocket Christian is somebody that, that maybe, and, and I'm not trying to, to, to make light of this, I'm just being honest here. They come and they come to the altar and, and they, they get on fire for God for a little while and it's like they get their fuse lit, right? And then they take off full force and they go as fast as they can and then you know what happens? That's it. And then they, they, start, they start missing church and they, they start uh, doing things maybe that they shouldn't and, and, and before you know it, they're just out of the will of God and they're backslidden and, and they're living in, in whatever idolatry or whatever you want to call it. But see, serving God is not just about jumping up and down and, and running the aisles and all that. And, and, and I've seen that stuff, and that's all good and well, and, and I appreciate people that do that. That's okay. I'm not against that. But what I'm saying is that serving God requires you to be faithful to Him, to be the same all the time with Him. You shouldn't have hot spells and cold spells and on again and off again that God wants you to be faithful to him. Why? Because he's faithful to you. God's faithful. God was faithful to those people right there that every time they would run into trouble, God would ride in and he would, he would drive out whoever it was. He would flood the Egyptians. He would send hornets to drive out the Amorites. And, and God said, you've not done any of this on your own. I've done it for you. Why would you not want to be faithful? Actually, that's a good question. Why, why would people not want to be faithful to God? I'm talking about why would, why would church folks not want to be faithful to God? Folks that have seen God work in their life. You know, I've heard testimonies of people say, hey, I saw God do this. I saw God bring me through cancer or God brought me through this or God did whatever. And then later on, they turn their back on him. How can you not be faithful to God when you've seen him do his work? It's just, it's just a head scratcher, isn't it? Do you understand that, Brother Albert? I don't understand it. He says, serve him in sincerity and in truth. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and put away, throw away, get rid of the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Joshua looks at him. He says, some, he looks, maybe he says it this way. He looks at the people and he says, I know some of you still have those gods in your tents. I know some of you still have those little gods sitting up on a shelf. And, and, and here you are in the camp of Israel. Here you are amongst God's people. But yet you go back to your tent or you go back to your home and you serve those little idols. I see that. I see people serving little idols, little things that, that have never done anything for them, that, that, that didn't save them, that didn't die on a cross for them, that couldn't do those things, and yet they serve them day in and day out. And Joshua says, you know what you need to do? He says, you need to put them away. You need to get rid of them. 
He said, those little wooden figurine idols, he said, you need to go to the house and get your axe and bust it up and throw it out and trash it, set it on fire, whatever it takes. Get rid of the things that are distracting you from God. Joshua says, put, put these things away. And then he says, and serve ye the Lord. Serve Jehovah, the one true God. And Joshua's ultimatum in verse 15, very familiar. This is something that, that we need to pay attention to. And it, this is good to see it in your home. He says, and if it seem evil or displeasing or, or if it's a, maybe a burden on you to serve the Lord. He says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served and which were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Joshua asked them to make a decision that day. He presented it to them. He laid it out there. I mean, everything has been laid out just, just as plain as, as it can be. I like things that, that are laid out for me real easy, don't you? When, you, when, when a decision is easy to make. Because we're going to face choices all the time. I mean, it, it's, it's life. Life's full of choices. You might, might as well get used to it. I mean, you get up in the morning and you're, you're faced with choices. And some choices are hard to make. You know, it, when, just for example, I think about this, about buying a car, you know. You, you always want to make the right choice, don't you? Or when you're buying a home or when you're doing this or you're doing that, you always want to make the right decision. You want to make the decision that's in the best, your best interest or in the best interest of your family or that's going to be the best deal or whatever it is. You always want to make the right choice. I don't think anybody's ever said, you know what, today I want to make the wrong choice. That's what I want to do. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, you've got a choice. He said, you can either serve these gods that the Amorites served and you can serve the gods of your fathers, which Abraham, he was, like I said, he was an idolater. He was a pagan before God called him. He said, you can serve them or you can serve Jehovah God. You can serve the one that can actually, that, that is, is actually with you and the one that's real and the one that's, that you can, can feel and the one that, that goes before you and drives out all these people. And the choice was so clear. Why would you not serve God? Why would you let anything else take over your life? Why would you let anything else be in the place of God? And so I ask you that this morning. Ask yourself, are you serving God with all your heart? Are you serving God? Are you faithful to him as, as faithful as he's been to you? Are, are you doing these things? Or have maybe some little idols crept in? Maybe some things, maybe during this time where we've, we've had not had church and maybe, some, maybe you've slipped a little bit on some things. And before you know it, you end up serving something else besides God. He says, you, you can choose. But Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua told him, he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to tell you where I cast my vote. He said, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the decision I'm going to make. I am going to serve the Lord. Joshua made that decision that day. And I want you to understand, Joshua made that decision knowing he's about to die. 
I mean, Joshua's on his deathbed, right? He's, he's just about to die. Yeah, he says, I am going to serve the Lord. And not only am I going to serve the Lord, he said, but as long as I'm around, my house is going to serve the Lord. Well, that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? He says that, that my wife, and as long as I can have anything to do with it, my wife and my kids are going to go, my servants, whoever it may be, we're going to serve the Lord. At my house, we're going to put him first. I, I think it's important that you, you make sure your house serves the Lord too. Amen, Brother Cecil? that you raise your family in, in, in the things of God, that you raise your children and your grandchildren, and as much as you have dominion over, that you serve the Lord. Most faith, as I preached last week, is a generational thing, that it comes down from generation to generation to generation. Most of it is. And it's just the same here. The children of Israel, had, it had come down from Abraham and Abraham started serving God and he passed it to his children and they passed it down and passed it down and passed it down. And it seemed like the, the further they got away from that original call, that the further they got away from God. And Joshua said, I'm about to die. He said, you're not going to have me as your leader anymore. He said, so today you need to make a decision. Are you going to choose God or are you going to choose these idols? And it's so simple. It's such a simple decision. I don't, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand why people don't serve God. I wish I did. I wish I could stand here this morning and say I got this great theological answer as to why people choose somebody other than God, but I don't know other than the fact that, that, God, that, that the devil has just got them blinded. That's about, about all I can figure out. And so I would ask you this morning, who are you serving? Are you, you, you may not go to the house and have a little idol up on a shelf, but, but a lot of people are serving a lot of other things. Amen? As the musicians come, everybody stand. And I want you to, to just to bow your heads for just a moment. We're going to pray. And I want you to, to just, just reflect on your life for just a moment and think about about who you serve or, or what it is that you serve and what you're putting before God. God, I just pray that, that in this time of invitation, God, in this, in this time of examination, God, that people would look to you and God, that they would ask you to examine them and to search them. And God, I just pray that you would Bring to light, Lord, any things that are in people's lives that may dis be displeasing, things that, that may not need to be there. God, there may be some idols in people's lives that need to be swept out and need to be thrown away and done away with. God, I just pray that, that you would deal with folks and, God, that you would help them and that, God, you would, you would show them this morning just how faithful that you are. God, I pray that it would be so obvious to people how good you are that they would, they would make that decision in their heart this morning that, hey, I can't serve anybody but God. There's, there's no way I could serve an idol. I have to serve God. And God, I pray that, that maybe some folks would make a, a declaration this morning like Joshua made or renew that declaration or that covenant with you and say, my house, at my house where I live in my life, he said, I'm going to serve the Lord. God, I just pray that you would help people and have your way. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Cecil, lead us in song.